This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Burger 2 is presumably going to be very much geared towards millennials. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they know what's good for them. Keenan kills Kel by the end of it. That'd be kind of <laughs> oh cool. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He doesn't, like, drown him in orange soda or something. It's <laughs> oh, got to yeah, be an appropriate death, right? Yeah, like that. That would be awesome. <laughs> I forgot about the orange soda. Just as he keeps repeating, who loves orange soda? That's, like, very a clockwork orange. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real, I think today will be laid backish talk. We've got some lighter topics today, though first Laura does want to indulge us with a maybe a classic Laura's rant of the week, um, but we are going to try to do it a little rage of the week, it, it's called. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, Laura, you're going to try to do it under a certain time limit for funsies. Do you want to do 30 or 60 seconds? We didn't talk about this. Let's do, you know, fuck it. We'll do it live. Let's do 30 seconds. 30 oh. seconds. So, Laura, whenever you're ready, please go off Just on start. What, and, and tell people what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's going to be part of it. You want me to okay. just start? Whenever you're ready. Okay. So last week, we learned that this fucking Supreme Court overruled Biden's student loan forgiveness plan for up to $20,000 for borrowers, despite the fact that it would have benefited about 40 million Americans. Um, In response to that, the White House and the Department of Ed responded very quickly by releasing information about the new income-based repayment plan called the SAVE plan. This is really going to be the answer to interest. So we're going to talk about it more in the weeks ahead. But I recommend looking it up for now Time's just up, to give yourself but... a teaser. Okay, that was, I mean, that was good. Thank you. And you teased Thank us you. with, uh, yeah, we wanted to keep it short this week because we do have some other topics that we want to get to. But yeah, was... well, and also we don't want to depress people. It's like, oh, like shocker, the 6-3 conservative majority Supreme Court fucked up again. Yeah, that's (laughs) there why we can't have nice things. Yeah. And I mean, they also like fucked up on the last day of Pride Month. They were like, end of Pride Month. Fuck the gays. That's basically the message. Yeah. They said end affirmative action. Fuck diversity. Yep. Yeah. So and plus it's summer now, too. We don't want to get bogged down in a serious topic like that. We probably will next week or two weeks from now, whenever it happens. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, (sighs) We have 2024 coming up. Campaigns are going to start heating up. We're going to have enough shit there to talk about. We don't want to talk about it right now. (laughs) 
Yeah. Maybe we'll have to bring back Trumpster Fire 2020. Is that what we were calling it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you all this, but a neighbor near us has um, a Trump 2024 picket. Boo. And it's a new design. So I know this asshole bought it even after the indictment, which is insane. <laughs> Put it up right in time for the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day, America. Yeah. There's this guy. He goes to my gym. He's always wearing a Make America Great Again beanie. And I hate it. And I hate that he's getting to me because it's just getting my heart rate up. I'm like, I, it's high enough on the stair stepper. I don't need this stressing me out, too. Like, why are you even wearing workout? that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to start today by discussing threads. This arrived last week after a lot of anticipation, including here on this show. I've been pretty excited about it. Meta launched this Twitter competitor and it immediately gained a lot of traction, which really spoke to how desperate people were to leave Twitter and also how easily Meta could onboard new users quickly and efficiently. And the platform stayed live. Like it was a pretty good rollout. It was a little glitchy, but overall, I think it. It went really well. That switch from Instagram to threads was super easy because of that Instagram integration. So we're going to get into a lot of different things today regarding threads. But how are you two liking it so far? Let's start with those reactions. We've had it for about a week now, I think. I think it's pretty cool. It reminds me a lot of the early days of Twitter where there weren't really any rules per se, and people <laughs> were just kind of going off on the things they genuinely wanted to talk about, but it wasn't in sort of a bullying or harmful or vitriolic way, like what Twitter turned into. So this was giving me like 2007, 2008 social media vibes. It's back to like, here's a photo of my soup. Yeah. Or like, here's a dumb meme. That was, I mean, so far, that's my one and only post is a meme. <laughs> and uh, I've been spending the rest of my time kind of just exploring, reading my feed and seeing what folks are up to. And it's nice because it's low stress. I don't see anything on there thus far, at least, that makes my blood boil. It feels, I think, if we're to think about it like as a culture, it feels way more in line with what you get on Instagram, which makes a ton of sense given the fact that, you know, it basically is Instagram just as a text feed. Yeah. And I think that's something we've always loved about Instagram. It's just the people you follow. There's the related posts, but there's just the people you follow. And at least me and I think many others mainly follow family and friends and well, I've done this more. It's still not as much as Twitter. I'm following less news accounts over there. So there's less opportunities to give me stuff that just yeah. bums me out. And I guess that's what we're seeing on Thread so far, even though I've tried to follow some news accounts because I want it to be my new Twitter. But we can get into that. Pam, how are you enjoying it so far? I Yeah, I've been enjoying it like you two are. The funny thing about the news accounts, too, is that because, to Laura's point, threads are so lawless right now a lot of them are kind of like getting in on the joke and being a little goofier than maybe they would be over on twitter 
just to kind of, you know, obviously it's to boost engagement, but it does kind of add to this uh, feeling of, you know, threads being a little bit more chill than some of its counterparts. So there is one law, no nudes. And that's oh, a big difference yeah. between yeah, that's Twitter true. and threads. I forgot you found that out when you tried to post your nudes. Yeah. It was like, no. Andrew said, fuck OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm going to just post <laughs> nudes for free on threads. You know how people will say when they're trying to be like quirky, like they'll go like Instagram saw it first and it's like a hot picture of them or something when they're posting it to Twitter. That was going to be my plan. Thread saw it first. And it's like my first nude <laughs> after posting it on threads. I was going to bring it over to Twitter. Um, I don't believe that would be your first nude, but OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, my first nude that I've posted publicly. <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. okay. Wow. No, I'm just, okay. Laura must know something I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just planting the seed in people's heads so they can go out searching. Be like, has Andrew Sims posted a nude somewhere? Uh, please don't. You ever think about what your exes have? Um. Anyway, so uh, that's a fair point. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> but you hopefully have stuff on them too. So yeah. Well, yeah. Fall back. It's called reciprocity, man. <laughs> I am liking threads a lot. Like I said a few minutes ago, I am trying to truly move from Twitter to threads. There's still some people there that are missing. And every once in a while, I have found myself trying to. I'm crying right now over that threads discussion. Um, <laughs> I, I have I've loaded up Twitter a couple of times and I've realized that I am missing out on some good stuff on Twitter. So I'm sad that more people haven't moved over yet, even though there's been a ton of people who have. It was a record-breaking launch. They crossed 100 million signups over the weekend. No app has ever signed up so many people so quickly. I have found the algorithm to be a bit messy. You mentioned posting a meme, Laura, and seeing happier stuff over there. It is, like you said, I think, Instagram's algorithm just on threads and I'm not sure that really works because I don't want meme crap on threads. So I've been muting a lot of accounts on threads. And I've been muting some brands too. Like day one, I muted Disney and Marvel. I don't give a fuck what you guys are posting on threads. It's just going to be like dumb memes and promotional stuff that I don't need. If I want like a news, like the new Wonka trailer, I'll follow the entertainment news accounts. So it's just been a lot of pruning. And I think a lot of people have been saying that they are seeing stuff that they're seeing too much random stuff from accounts that they don't follow. And in fairness to Meta and Threads, I think they started from zero with Threads. There was zero content. They had some influencers get in early, but there's largely zero content. So I understand why they're throwing a lot of random stuff at us. They have nothing to work with. <laughs> um, and people mm -hmm. just got to be posting more. And I think at the end of the day, Twitter's algorithm is still better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they even said that, too, that like they you were going to see more suggested posts because it's so new to everybody. So they're just trying to like let you know, by the way, this person's here and they might be of interest to you. Um, my whole issue with it right now is that I feel like I'm seeing mostly verified users, uh, which is unfortunate, oh, obviously, because like I most of the people that like I actually know are not verified. So 
and that's pay to play. So in theory, people could pay just to get more exposure. Right. And to the to this point, um, but also like usually it's like, I mean, for the most part, it's been people that are verified that have like some notoriety. And I saw someone tweet this at um, Hank Green specifically, but like I also liked one Hank Green tweet and I feel like I see him now more than like I see anybody else that I follow. And that's no shade to Hank Green, who I really enjoy, but I also don't need like 60% of my feet up front to be like his stuff, you know, like a little mix. I will say he is someone I see a lot of, which is a little perplexing to me because I don't follow him anywhere. Not because I don't care for him, just because as a public figure like that, he's very um, he's very ubiquitous. He's Mm -hmm. kind of everywhere. So I feel like I don't need to follow him. Yeah. So that's been interesting to me. But it, it is interesting I think to point out how it's putting people in the feed, like it gives you that option when you first set up your threads account to either automatically follow everyone you're following on Instagram, who's also on threads. And I chose to do that, but I kind of regretted it because I realized pretty quickly the people that I follow on Instagram are not necessarily the people I want to follow on a Twitter-like feed and vice versa. They're very different the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had the same reaction. It's been interesting to see. And then notice like who I'm still missing from Twitter that I want over on threads. And like I said, I'm still missing some people who I wish would join already. To the point about seeing stuff we don't want to see, are you two noticing a lot of people who you follow their replies to other people who you don't follow. I feel like I'm seeing that a lot. And I don't want that. Again, Twitter does a really good job here of only showing that type of thing when you really need it. Like I followed Halo Top on threads. I was like, okay, that's a funny post from them. I'll give them a follow, see what they do here. And then I start seeing in my feed them replying to like gym bros and they're being like, Hey, if you want an ice cream that won't break your calorie streak, follow us and we'll hook you up. Like, I don't need to see that crap. And I feel like I'm getting a lot of it. And it's actually making me hesitant to reply to as much as I normally would on Twitter, because even though people can see that stuff if they dig, I don't want everybody seeing all of my replies. So I'm not sure like how often those get surfaced into people's feed. If it's a lot, they need to scale that back. Because it's stressing me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I see your replies uh, more than I see other people's replies. And like, oh. it's really funny because um, I think just because of the nature of it being new and like a little bit buggy, I like there are some times where like I'll refresh and then I'll see it. Like a good example of yeah. that is my topic for this week was a tweet that Andrew had replied to. And I think I must have sent it right when you had replied or something because when I refreshed, it was like your reply was maybe three minutes. Um, it had been done three minutes ago or something like that. So it was like really quick succession. But I wouldn't have been surprised if like, you know, it just like shot that up to the top of my feed because it knew that you had already replied and just hadn't shown me. So, yeah, yeah. So what do we so they launched this very quickly. It's been reported 
and Meta seems to have basically confirmed this at this point, that they decided to move up the launch after the mess that, I mean, obviously Twitter's been in all sorts of trouble over the last year. But then Elon rolled out this 600 tweet rate limit two weeks ago on Twitter. Everybody immediately hated it. It I hit the rate limit very quickly because I'm always flying through Twitter. So it's very easy to see 600 tweets in like a couple of minutes. Um, so they decided to move up the launch. Threads is very bare bones. It's so simple. It's missing a ton of Twitter features. In some ways, that's good, but I'm worried. I'm concerned that a lot of people are going to try Threads and be like, I'm missing so much from Twitter. I'm giving up on this because you only get one chance to make a first impression. And people's first impressions are this is really basic. And maybe I'm missing some stuff from Twitter. So what are we all looking forward to them adding? And before you two answer, I just want to add that this morning, the uh, the guy who runs Instagram, um, Adam Ozeri, he said, with so many people joining Threads so fast these six days, the team has been entirely focused on keeping the lights on and fixing bugs, but we're starting to prioritize typo, the obvious missing features like a following feed, the edit button, and post search. So it looks like those three things might be coming first in terms of big features. Great. Following mm-hmm. feed, edit button, which he needs for this very post, and search, post search. I know that there's been some debate about this but like i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad if they wanted to add hashtags um i'm sure that there's a way to do it that's not going to make people feel inundated with hashtags and so yeah i just i just think that it's like it's so much easier to to like click on a hashtag for example on twitter if you're scrolling through your feed and then take a look at what other people are saying about that specific topic. So like uh, somebody that um, often wants to like go down rabbit holes like that, I, I find hashtags to be helpful as a search um, tool. I rarely use them as a search tool. I get it, though. I feel like we can just get rid of hashtags. Maybe this is an opportunity or at least limit how many hashtags somebody can use. Yeah. Chloe's probably flinching right now as I say that, but why not like limit it to three hashtags? You know, I know that we don't talk about Tumblr a lot on this show because it's in a lot of ways, it's a very niche social media adjacent um, website. But on Tumblr, you can technically tag a post with as many hashtags as you want. But I believe for a while now, it's been that only like the first four or five actually count in terms of like what people are searching towards. So like, I don't know, maybe it could be something like that. Because the the other thing, too, is like the thing about threads is they're giving you more space than Twitter gives you. Right. I think it's 500 characters. So that's that's about like, I don't know, like double what you get on um, Twitter, maybe a little less. And so. You, people are not going to want to be like clogging up their whole thread post with hashtags anyway. So I don't think it's going to be a case where like the the way that the, the site is set up is like um, necessarily going to encourage people hashtagging up a storm. With Instagram, there is no character limit, really. So like people can have just like a block text of hashtags. So. There's yeah. a character limit. I hit it when Did I made my really? hypeable is ending announcement oh, post. My I wrote this whole thing. I wrote it up in the notepad app. I went to paste it in. I was like, 
and it, you know it blocked me i was like oh fuck i just spent like an hour writing this and now i can't post it so i did that classic screenshot post <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's funny you know i feel i've definitely seen some of this debate and some seem to feel like one of the ways for threads to differentiate itself from twitter is by ditching the hashtag entirely that might be true if Twitter was the only place where people used hashtags, but hashtags and hashtagging are very common social media behavior across the board. So I don't see how they don't somehow yeah. include it. And I guess if they want to compete against Twitter, they need to. Yeah. You know what might be cool is um, it, they would really have to make sure that their system is a bit more sophisticated, though, is like. If they trained their algorithm to anticipate what people might want to search for, I see this a lot on TikTok where like if you, you know, end up on a specific TikTok, there might be like a search term suggestion up at the top that you could click on. And it's not necessarily like a word. It could be like, like, for example, like with the Supreme Court, you know, if you were watching like a TikTok about some Supreme Court rulings, they might be like, um, the search term might be like, what is the history of affirmative action, for example? So mm -hmm. like anticipating like what might spark someone's interest and like putting in a system like that, that would then like filter in posts that, you know, would fit that might be a way yeah. for them to differentiate themselves. I, I can see hashtags being helpful for just clicking into one and seeing what everybody's talking about. That's a huge benefit. But why not just make search smarter, searching posts smarter and kind of what yeah. you're suggesting, come up with a list of trends and, you know, based on what people are threading about in any given moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think hashtag started on Twitter, right? Many I moons ago. I think so. It yeah. did. So yeah, like go. that was what, 15 years ago at this point? Maybe it's time to move on yeah. from hashtags and figure out well, something else already. If something is trending too and they just want to like hyperlink like you know, a big term that would that would be fine with me, too. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. bold it even. But something that is like just easier for people that are interested in, you know, like I said, just like finding. Yeah. Other people talking about that thing. The big one for me in terms of the wish, wish list is the following feed. But I have to caution everybody. Adam Mozeri's saying it will come. They've confirmed it multiple times at this point. Facebook and Instagram both have following feeds, too. It's reverse chronological order. So you just see the latest posts first. But it's not sticky. You leave Instagram for a day. You come back. It reverts back to the algorithmic feed, the for you feed, whatever you want to call it on Instagram. With Twitter, you hit following and it stays put. Mm -hmm. Facebook, same deal. It doesn't stay put. I'm concerned that they're going to add a following feed, but it's not going to stay put. And if I'm going to be really disappointed if they don't do that, because that's what people want on. That's what people have come to expect on a platform like threads, because you're microblogging, if you want to use that silly word, and you just want to flick through the latest stuff. Twitter's about what's happening now. That's what I want from threads, too. And it just makes me addicted to it because I'm constantly refreshing, refreshing, pull down to refresh and getting the latest stuff. I want to talk about news in the moment. I want to talk about TV in the moment, you know, so they got to do it the right way. Otherwise, I'm going to be so disappointed and I'm probably going to go back to Twitter, unfortunately. Hmm. That's a deal breaker for me. 
This is Andrew's I don't know how to quit you moment with Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I would agree with the points that both of y'all brought up. Um, I would say for mine, it would be, you know, having something like, you know, Twitter's circle or even just replicating Instagram's close friends list so that you can filter who's seeing what. Because, you know, there may be people that I want to follow and there may be certain things I want to share on threads that I don't want those specific people to see. 100%. Mm -hmm. That's a great feature. Is that where you post your nudes? Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I guess I'm not on it then because I haven't seen. You're not. You're missing out. Can it Add me. Add me. Pam was like, can confirm. Can confirm that Laura's nudes are the best nudes. That's a whole other discussion. Close friends and and the circle like gays will just add you into their circles and start posting nudes. I'm like, oh, oh, OK. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily <laughs> complaining, but I also didn't ask for this. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like stop putting me in your circle without asking is that considered virtual flashing technically <laughs> i i think you probably could consider it virtual because yeah. you didn't ask for it so i didn't ask for it and yeah. i'm also like oh shit now they're gonna expect that from me because they let me into their circle where they're posting nudes and now i'm expected to return the favor i think it's almost like they're hitting on you yeah <laughs> she's just were- rebrand your circle to be something really weird you know, yeah. so that they regret ever even adding you into their there circle. You go. And you know what I was also thinking? When Elon took over, I'm like, gays have got to stop this because he's firing all the developers. There's going to be some massive bug where suddenly all the circle posts get exposed and suddenly your nudes are going to be out there. Mm-hmm. That That's way too risky to me. That alone <laughs> is why I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining you being like, I was circled without my consent. <laughs> Circle with consent, y'all. Circle with consent. Uh, Maybe an episode title. I also want to see a desktop app because I'm always on Twitter on the desktop. Um, You can't even use it through the web browser right now, which is stupid. It has been nice to be on Twitter less. I have kept it close because I want to be part of Elon's problem with the sudden drop in Twitter users (laughs) that we think they're seeing, according to Cloudflare. So, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else we haven't mentioned? I think those are the big ones. Yeah. Imagine if they put in an edit button before Twitter, though. Like, that's the one thing everybody's been asking for for years. Well, they do have the edit button now. You just have to pay for it on Twitter. Yeah, I know. But that's not the same. And we all know it. You're right. (laughs) That wouldn't shock me, though, just because Instagram and Facebook have had that forever. So that should probably be easy for them to implement. I mentioned... Moving from Twitter, I saw this study today. It does seem like a lot of people are moving. This is from Ipsos. Quote, just over half of Americans with a Twitter account say they are likely to try or already have tried threads. 58%. At the same time, more people feel that Twitter, compared to other popular social media apps, is dominated by extreme and unpleasant people. Few feel Twitter is fun to use. Agree. I get laughs out of Twitter, but I know what those people are saying. It can be a dark place and an abusive place. Mm-hmm. Another result from the survey, 46% of people with a Twitter account say they are likely to move or have already moved the activity activity they used to do on Twitter to threads over the next few weeks. Like I said, over 100 million people have already signed up. Twitter only has like, they're not big at all. People act like they're big because they get a lot of media attention. That's where a lot of politicians and whatnot break news. 
That's where a lot of journalists break news as well. But it's really not a very big platform. I don't have the number offhand. And I think Threads is going to beat them very soon. They're on track. I think I saw to hit a billion users at some point, which Twitter has never had a billion users. So, wow. Did you two rush to get your low number on your Instagram profiles? Because I did. No, I can't even (laughs) see my number. So what's the point anyway? Yours is bugged for some reason. I know. We discovered this during the planning meeting. (laughs) Remind me, because I looked at mine and now I don't remember where to find it. Remind me. Go to your Instagram profile and it's there. So this was like Uh, a way to encourage people on Instagram to sign up. What happened was the faster you signed up, the lower the number you got posted on your Instagram profile to show you what user, to show everyone what user number you are on threads. So I knew this was going to be happening. It had been reported. And I was like, oh, shit, I want a low number because I have nothing better to do with my life other than than to show off how quickly I joined threads. So, of course, 7 p.m. Eastern on the dot, I try to sign up. I can't get the damn app to download. It's telling me that the app's not available. Meanwhile, Pat and my brother Ryan, who also know about this number thing, jump on it real quick, get the app, no problem. I'm like, what the fuck? Pat got a low ass number, like 24,000. Ryan got like 48,000. Wow. <laughs> I got so desperate. I ran over to my iPad. I downloaded Instagram <laughs> on my iPad. <laughs> then I downloaded threads. It was so stupid. I ended up getting 154,406, which is good considering there's now 100 million people on threads. <laughs> so what number are you, Laura? Uh, Well, I'm on my profile, but I don't remember where to find it on my Instagram profile. Just at the top of your profile, it should be there. At the top of it? Oh, you know what, Laura? You said you never update your apps. Maybe that's what maybe <laughs> it was outdated. No, seriously. No, I mean, they had the, other, the other day I saw mine. I just oh. can't find it now. Oh, Chloe somehow has it. Oh, I guess we can look on your profile. Oh. Too. Duh. Yeah. So what? I'm eight. 8,499,816. What a loser. Somebody turned that into that rent song. (laughs) (laughs) And then I harmonize with you, but it's my number. (laughs) 154,406. That's how big a loser Andrew really is. Daylight All of us, and sunset. Honestly. He's staring at his phone, <laughs> trying to get. Anyway, I'm really impressed that you know more of that song than just the first three lines. <laughs> I was really into Rent for a few oh, this years. This is so. good Andrew Same. lore that I did not know. <laughs> it is so bizarre that Pam's number isn't showing. I, I wonder know. what's up with that. I don't know. I'm gonna thread Zuck about it. Yeah, it's like, excuse me, how come? My one fellow host is not have a number. <laughs> I did see the number apparently is going to be temporary. So, Aww. but I know, right? I guess we should uh, screenshot. And of course, we recorded it here on the pod. <laughs> Elon's trying to sue Meta now over threads. But my only comment on this is Meta has stolen social media ideas before. I think they know what they're doing <laughs> when it comes to towing the line legally. There was also a report that you can't delete threads without also deleting your Instagram, which is a big problem. Uh, however, Mozeri said 
You can deactivate your Threads account, which hides your Threads profile and content. You can set your profile to private and you can delete individual Thread posts all without deleting your Instagram account. Threads is powered by Instagram. So right now it's just one account, but we're looking into a way to delete your Threads account separately. So yeah, they need to be able, they need to let us do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, So people have a right to be concerned there. So that's it. That's all my thoughts, all our thoughts on Threads, I think, for now. Well, you two, I don't know if I asked you two this. Are you primarily using it over Twitter? And will you continue to? I don't know. I barely use Twitter anymore. I got so burned out on it that I don't know if um, if there's really a void in my life for threads to fill. I guess watch this space. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, my Twitter has been dead for a while, so it's probably not going to take much to post more. Yeah, maybe I'll just make a concerted effort because I, I feel like on my end, I, I'm not really sure like how much it'll stick as a as a user, not a lurker, unless I test it out. So we'll see. All right. Fair enough. I hope this is the new place. I really want to see Elon fail when it comes to Twitter. I just think, you know, he didn't have to lose everybody. He could have just stayed the course. You need to make money more. I get that. You need to make more money. They were never really making money. Um, I totally get having to make some changes to um, get the get the ship back on track, but he's just alienated way too many people with very dumb decisions, and he deserves the fail when it comes to Twitter. I love Tesla, I love SpaceX, but it's just been one giant mistake for um, Elon and Twitter. And so yeah. I love that Meta jumped in real quick, and that's the other thing too. It's really good that Twitter and Threads each have competition that's going to create better products on both ends. Yeah. hundred percent. I think Elon's just salty because he way overpaid for Twitter and then proceeded to run it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will take a quick break and then we're going to talk nineties toys and nineties inspired movies. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, y'all. Well, it's definitely a big time for nostalgia. As we all know, we have recent and some upcoming adaptations of things that are, um, you know, particularly nostalgic for our childhoods, maybe even our parents' childhoods, depending on the item. But thinking about like Lego, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Barbie, Tetris, and Beanie Babies. Um, So what we wanted to chat about today is what other kinds of classic toys or brands would we like to see being adapted in some kind of way? Most of what we're going to talk about is stuff from the 90s, but there are a couple of things that are such uh, cultural cornerstones that predate the 90s, but were definitely still big when we were kids and are still big now. Um, so I thought we could jump in and start with TV shows. 
Andrew, you had an interesting recommendation to lead us <laughs> off with. Well, so when I was a child, I was a huge fan of Barney the Dinosaur. I had a Barney stuffed animal. I still have it, actually. My parents will tell you, I never let go of that stuffed animal. Just totally obsessed with Barney. And actually, there was a Barney documentary that aired late last year on Hulu. I haven't seen that. Um, but there's going to be another Barney movie. This one's going to be a scripted drama. The one on Hulu is a documentary that's being described as surrealistic and for adults. But a Mattel exec said it's not that it's R rated. So I'm just kind of imagining like a depressed Barney. Who, Pam, I think <laughs> you had a great point in our uh, meeting. Like, He's tell us the I love you. Oh, yeah. I think I said something like, imagine Barney's just really depressed because he's like, you know, I always tell everyone that I love them, but nobody ever tells me that they love me. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to it's going to make me cry. I think this movie when I start thinking about like that. Right. I mean, did you two grow up with Barney or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved Barney. Okay. I had um I had one I, and there were so many of them but I definitely had a tape Barney tape and I watched that thing over and over and over mm-hmm. and by the time my brother came along he proceeded to watch it over and over and over my poor parents being subjected to that shit all the time um but <laughs> I I kind of love this uh this aesthetic of like the dark side of Barney <laughs> Yeah. So here's a quote from the Mattel exec. And this actually is right up our alley. We're gonna have to do a whole episode on this. We're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than fine tuning this for kids. It's really a play for adults. Not that it's R rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being a 30 something growing up with Barney, just the level of disenchantment within the generation. So it's oh, going to get real. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Barney's going to have student loans and <laughs> oh, that would a be shit amazing. ton of like medical debt and not going to be paying, you know, not going to be being paid a living wage. Barney's like, I did this whole damn TV show and I still can't pay off my student I know. loans. He's like, I still have three part time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I think it makes sense to lean into that nostalgia. I mean, like, Not to get like ahead, but I know that one of you put in Blue's Clues in here too. That um, video of the original Steve telling everyone that they were like doing great. I'm not going to lie. I shed a little tear, even though I think Blue's Clues came a little bit after our time. But Mm. it is like really comforting to see stuff that stuff like that as an adult. And also maybe we're just all getting soft in our old age. But well, similar to Barney, Mm -hmm. Steve was like a partner to us. So you Mm -hmm. see that Steve make that message and say, you know, we're always friends or whatever he said. Yeah, I I teared up watching that shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you look great, by the way. And it's like, thanks, Steve. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. He's talking right into the camera. Like, he's actually talking to you. It was like at the start of COVID, too. So everything was fucking terrible. And here we had Steve from Blue's Clues being like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's what it was. They really played to our emotions. But on the note of Blue's Clues, I would love to see 
something akin to a documentary. Like, you know, you were talking about the Barney documentary, Andrew. I think it would be cool to learn more about the behind the scenes of Blue's Clues and the production and the, you know, artistic choices that the show made, because I would argue that Blue's Clues was probably one of the best children's shows for that particular age demographic at the time. I was a little too old for it. My brother was like the prime age demographic. And so because he was into it, I ended up watching a lot of it, too. And even though I was a little too old for it, I still really liked it. Yeah. And have a lot of positive, you know, warm and fuzzy memories of it. I think that that is a testament to it's kind of like um with like Sesame Street or even the Muppets there. There's something about I love watching um adults interview Sesame Street characters or any kind of like Muppet character because it's like you know that there's a person behind those puppets right but then like it's just everything falls away and it's kind of crazy to see you know full-on adults a lot of them are like curmudgeon and grumpy and they just like fall for this like it's kind of like a little piece of magic and it's like they're talking straight to this thing that would be animated unless someone was like helping it. Part of it is just like the way it's written or like um, in the case of Blue's Clues, I think what really helped that show take off a lot was like the original Steve and how animated he was and how engaging he was. Because like the fact that you still enjoyed it, even though you were out of that age demographic is a testament to that for sure. And the animation style was pretty unique for the time. Mm-hmm. I think Steve talking directly into the camera, I think, was super helpful. Dora yeah. the Explorer went on to do that, too. By the way, I, I probably mentioned at some point, I before I dropped out of college, I was majoring in radio TV film. And I took a tr- children's television course at one point. It was so fascinating that explained how television shows were created for children the dangers of like advertising to children, why children can connect with a TV show. It was super interesting. That's cool. Yeah, really op- opened my eyes to a lot of things. But Laura, like you, I also kind of background watched Blue's Clues because my brother, who was is seven years younger, um, loved it. He had a mini Steve chair, you know, that red chair oh, in the show. Yeah, so yeah. he would sit in the little Steve chair and watch Blue's Clues. He had the pl- Blue's Clues pajamas like that was his Barney. That was that was. Do you know what I used to get sucked into, too, was the big comfy couch. Oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she would make the clock. Yeah, she'd make floor. the clock on the floor. Yeah. Luna and Molly. <laughs> oh, man. I was so invested. I don't know if y'all were. um Nickelodeon kids. I was definitely a Nickelodeon kid. I watched Same. Cartoon Network, but like I was I had a strong preference for Nickelodeon. I was so invested in the adventures of Stick Stickly. <laughs> Do you remember oh, him? Yeah. He was the best. Yeah. I know. And Snick too. Oh. Which was I the fucking... Saturday night programming block. Yeah. Yeah. That yes. was our SNL. Love Snick. Yes. The original All That cast. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So good. We'll re- well, maybe we should mention um, now Good Burger, which started as a all that skit, right? Mm-hmm. There was the movie. It was really popular with people our age. Now there's going to be Good Burger 2. That's going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive. Um, but I'm looking forward to that because Keenan yeah. and Keller are reprising their roles. That yeah. should be good. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other character surprises in there. I'm, I'm sure. so happy that they're still friends. 
you know? Yeah. I know. And they, they like came up together and yeah. And I think that that's to speak to like the emotional attachment. I think that that's part of why it makes us so happy to see stuff like this go on. For sure. And playing into millennial nostalgia. We yeah. were intrigued by the Barney doc. We're or the movie. We're intrigued by Good Burger, too, because we get to relive that part of our childhood. But these are going to be presumably, well, the Barney one definitely is. Good Burger, too, is presumably going to be very much geared towards millennials. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they know what's good for them. Keenan <laughs> kills Kel by the end of it. That'd be kind of <gasps> oh cool. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> he doesn't, like, drown him in orange soda or something. It's got to <laughs> oh, be an appropriate death, right? <laughs> Yeah, like that. That would be awesome. I forgot about the orange soda. Just as he keeps repeating, who loves orange soda? That's like very a clockwork orange. Like, <laughs> dark. Speaking of uh, things that we would like to see, something that occurred to me was I would love to see something with reading Rainbow. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Like this, this is like a, it's a classroom nostalgia thing. Like you knew when your teacher rolled in the giant uh, like rolling cart with the TV on it, you were either getting Bill Nye or reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least that was my experience. Do you know what's so funny is like, I didn't realize that like Bill Nye and also like um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson are like such millennial touchstones. Until mm-hmm. I was talking to my mom, my mom was like, I have no idea who they are. Mm. And I what? was like, "What? You don't know? You don't recognize?" The- I was like, Bill, "You don't know Bill? 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 Bill, Bill. <laughs> yeah." It's like you don't know who Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, are they famous? Yes, that's so funny. And I, t- I didn't even know how to explain it. I was just like, "It's just it's it's just Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson." I I don't know what He's to tell Bill you. Bill Nye, the science guy. What else can I yeah. say? He's the <laughs> science guy. I just think it would be cool if they again, like it could even be a documentary style piece on reading rainbow or it could even be a reboot i mean this is a really easy format to replicate and update to 2023 right and i think god what a better time to be handling that than a time where certain types of literature are being banned Mm. all over the country right and reading comprehension is down yeah yeah that's such a good point I, you know, Laura, I hate to tell you this, but I, I thought that it sounded familiar when talking about Reading Rainbow, so I just went to look it up. It, it looks like as of last year, they were looking to reboot Reading Rainbow, but without LeVar Burton, which is no! unfortunate. I know because he was, you know, again, one of those that, that's like such a touchstone Yeah, for all of us. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying somebody else couldn't do it, but I know continuing along this theme of shows that were popular when we were growing up. We know Powerpuff Girls is something people would love to see. Warner Brothers actually canceled that live action reboot that they were planning on this recently, which is too bad because Powerpuff Girls was my shit. I would have loved to see a live action Powerpuff Girls, especially since they were they were all adults. So it was going to be their lives as adults. Yeah, they were going to be like tortured souls. Right. Like grappling with like um, being famous child superheroes. Right. Just like the rest of us. Washed (laughs) out at 20. (laughs) Can relate. What about Doug? Do you love Ever watch Doug? Doug? Yeah. Loved Doug. Not the same when they moved it over to ABC Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. 
Never forget. <laughs> Never forget what they took from us, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Doug is something that they haven't done anything with or haven't even tried to do anything with. When I think about other popular cartoons from the time, like even Kim Possible, they tried and failed to make a movie. I mean, they did make the movie, but it was bad. Remember? Um, even- Sorry. Remember they did do like a Hey Arnold, a new Hey Arnold movie? Didn't that happen in the last five years or something? Yeah. So they tried it once or twice and that was it with different. Mm -hmm. I feel like the marketing anytime, at least Nickelodeon has tried to do stuff like this has not been great, Um, which is why I'm really hopeful they do better with Good Burger too, because we're going to talk about and we can actually jump to it. But Are You Afraid of the Dark was another show that was my fucking jam as a kid. Um, they did release a limited series reboot in 2019 on Paramount yeah. Plus. Okay, I vaguely remember but, that. Yeah, yeah, but the the marketing for it was non-existent. That's because it's freaking Paramount Plus. I mean, are people even going to turn out for the Good Burger movie? I will only because I borrow somebody else's password. I Same. think that. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say I think that like Keenan, I I trust Keenan to do a lot of good marketing for that. So I think that people will know a little bit. Sometimes like these reboots happen and like you have no idea, right? And I think that's part of it too. Part of it is that the advertising money isn't there. And then part of it is that like nobody does much promotion. So, but to to the point about like reboots that were bad, I also, I just wanted to like shout out a, a reboot that was actually very good. Um, the Babysitter's Club reboot on Netflix, which was sadly canceled oh, yeah. after season two. Um, obviously, Babysitter's Club was big in the 90s as a book series. There was a TV series. There's also a movie. Huge moment. Um, but the the new series that Netflix put out, I think in 2019, is really, really good. So I would highly recommend that for all ages. Very enjoyable. Elizabeth listening live right now is also shouting out there's a fair amount of documentaries that are 90s pop culture. Hulu has The Orange Years, which is about Nick. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a good documentary. I think I recommended that on the show, too. You know what? I'm so embarrassed. I logged into Hulu and I see I see it's still on my watch list, probably from when you recommended it. And I just never got (laughs) to it. So maybe I'll get on that within the next week. That's actually like speaking of um, recommendations coming from our discord. Elizabeth said Kid 90 Soleil Moon Fries video camera footage. I also really enjoyed that. That I would say is like um, late 80s, early 90s. Um, Soleil Moon Fry played Punky Brewster and she just documented um, her friendship with a lot of like big 90s teen heartthrobs. So if like that's more your jam, would recommend that one too. Well, just one more quick note here about TV shows. I wish they would do something with Courage the Cowardly Dog. I loved this show and it still has a cult following. So I feel like they could. But again, just they got to the marketing has to be right. And they have to remember the audience that they're going for, for nostalgia. It feels like all of these moves to just release limited series or release direct to Paramount Plus kind of misses the point of trying to, you know, activate the nostalgia factor with millennials. Nostalgia, activate. I know, I, I know. like, make it a feature film and release it in theaters and do a media blitz and we will fucking show up. I won't. I've never <laughs> seen this show before. 
You've never seen Courage the Cowardly Dog? I also haven't either. Talk to me about Clifford the Big Red Dog, but not Courage the Cowardly (laughs) Dog. I I see it's on, it was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. I was Mm -hmm. a Nick person. I really never watched Cartoon Network. Mm. I feel like Nick and Cartoon Network really towed the line as to like what was like almost borderline too much for kids to be watching. Like, I think a lot about Cow and Chicken, which was oh also on. Did I just unlock a memory? Yes. For you? Yes. And not, not also, any particular memory. Network. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I also don't have a particular memory. I just know that, like, that show was borderline inappropriate. Oh, hell yeah. Think about, like, Ah Real Monsters. Yeah. And, and Ren and Stimpy. Ren and yes. Stimpy was another one. Oh, my goodness. And even Powerpuff yeah. Girls had him. As the villain, mm-hmm. like yeah, <laughs> stuff that would never happen now, <laughs> would never fly. Cap uh, Riley's also pointing out Captain Planet. That one I did I watch, and I think that was die. Cartoon Network. Captain, I would Planet. die if they did a live action Captain Planet. And honestly, I would argue that we need it now more than ever. I know, right? <laughs> Who's going to teach the new generation to take pollution down to zero without Captain Planet? There was, I feel like there was a movie in the works at some point. I remember writing about it on Hypeable, just doing a quick search now. Apparently, Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to make a Captain Planet movie. <sighs> Leo, come back. We've never needed you more. (laughs) But it's funny talking about all these shows. It's bringing back memories of writing about some of this being in development, allegedly on Hypeable. And those articles always did insanely well for the reasons we're talking about today. It just triggers all this nostalgia and excitement in people. Mm -hmm. I know, like the prime demographics that loved these shows when they were big in the 90s are all in their 30s now and have you know, at least a little bit of disposable income and we need nostalgia because the world sucks. Please do it. Amen. (laughs) To that point, the um, Netflix just put out that um, Power Rangers anniversary special. And as somebody who also grew up watching Power Rangers, obviously they've had many iterations since the 90s. I thought that that was really well done. I don't think we had a chance to talk about it here. But as far as like looping in a lot of that nostalgia, I think that they they did a fantastic job. I'll have to check that one out. Just in the interest of time, we'll run through some of these toys, I think, quickly. Andrew, you have Furby on here because Furby's making a comeback. Yeah, just reported recently, Furby is making a comeback with a new Furby. I thought Furby was the coolest thing when that thing came out initially. You know, you feed it. It was like a kind of like a real world Tamagotchi, right? You press its tongue to feed it. Two Furbies could look at each other and talk to each other, which was so cool. The ears would move. The eyes would blink. The feet would wiggle up and down. I thought that thing was cool. Did you two have Furbies? No, No. I always wanted one, though. Aww. I never wanted one. I was the odd kid out who thought Furbies were ugly and creepy, so I never wanted one. They were, but that's why we loved them. (laughs) You're like, that's why we love you, Laura. So (laughs) They were a hot item at one point. I mean, they were like really hard to get. It was like the Christmas toy. Maybe we should do that at at some point, like run through the most popular Christmas toys. Oh, because every year there's always one. And we could probably. Yeah, I thought you were going to say for this upcoming Christmas, buy each other a nostalgic toy like from eBay. Wait, But maybe we should do that. That would be really cute. We should do that, too. (laughs) 
That would be, be amazing. like the end of Andrew's favorite Christmas movie, The Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. Maybe Aww. that's where I got the idea from subconsciously. I'm going to get both of you haunted Furbies. Off I would love that and put it like right over here. Just yeah, I have always some space wondering. behind me. <laughs> it just lights up during an episode and is like, time to die. Worse than Siri. <laughs> Laura like hacks it so she can remotely control it while we're podcasting. (laughs) That'd be fun. I wanted to point out that Marshalls versus the Machines actually had a pretty prominent uh, Furby arc in their movie. Did y'all either of y'all see that movie? No. No. Oh, it was actually really good. I would recommend Hmm. it. Um, But there's there's a big Furby Furby moment in that movie. Um, I was also thinking about. You you mentioned it before, Andrew, but Tamagotchis or Nano Pets or Giga Pets, whichever one of those that y'all might have had. Um, I feel like there was never any kind of TV show or movie based on this concept. And just based on the amount of movie reboots that we are getting um, of popular toys, I feel like there could be something here. Maybe similar to uh, the Jumanji remake where they get mm. like sucked into the game. <laughs> Maybe you get sucked <laughs> into your Tamagotchi. Oh my gosh. And you're like banging on the little plastic window. <laughs> that would be a horror movie. Sounds like, yeah, I know. Sound like a horror movie. I, I think it'd be kind of fun if these had like a full blown comeback, like with the actual physical toy, not through like an app on the phone. I had one. I um I remember them getting banned at school at one point because every kid had one and they were just a distraction. But I still remember like sneaking yep. it in and like feeding it under my desk, hoping the Same. teacher noticed didn't notice I was yeah. looking down a lot. <laughs> we and had my those school... like desks where you you could lift the top and that was the move right because it, it's basically like a blocker so you could feed whatever uh, digital pet you had and the teacher wouldn't even know if you were quick what we used to do is uh anytime we were like working on an assignment in class or taking a test we would take our folders and stack them up as like a barrier around our work so that I nobody could copy that. us And when I was done with my work early, I would keep the folders up, pretend I was still working, but pull out my nano pet. (laughs) That's fucking with it right there. Yeah. Uh, So that was such an easy way to cheat when you put up the folders. You just put some of your like cheating materials in in the folder. Oh my God. I was not smart enough to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, Pam, you were smart enough that you didn't have to think about that because you didn't need to cheat. (laughs) Yeah, me, I was an idiot. I was too focused on my Tamagotchi and Pokemon cards to study. Also, just throwing out there, creepy crawlers in the Easy Bake Oven. Obviously, you know, creepy crawlers weren't edible, but the whole idea that you could make your own bug toys as a kid Uh feels like there could be something fucked up to play with there for a movie. Isn't there a Netflix um, like food competition series where they can only use Easy Bake Ovens? Yeah, Anthony did that. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I think it's called the yeah. Bake. Yeah. No, that's a good call out. You know what, though? I think they didn't, the re- they weren't required to only use the Easy Bake Oven. Because I remember oh. tuning in expecting that. I never watched that. it. Okay, oh, yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah, and that wasn't the premise. I was like, what the fuck? That would have been a great premise. Do you guys ever think about, like, I don't know. I definitely had some of these, like, toys where you could, like, make edible things. 
with the yeah. toys. Yeah. Do you ever think about like what kind of chemicals were in that shit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? And I mentioned this to Laura recently. I was in a used vinyl store and they have like pop culture, old pop culture stuff too. Oh, and they were, you, yeah. I, do I, I mentioned this say. to you yeah. too. Yeah. There's an old Harry Potter toy still sealed with something you can make that was edible. And it had the expiration on the box. And it's like 2004. So it's almost 20 that. years expired at this point. I want to go back and see if it's still there because I want to buy it and, and try it on camera. I'll taste it. I'll just see how it goes. I mean, you can't kill me. And to that point, like they did before the movies came out, they had some really unique Harry Potter merchandise. Like they I did. still have a a board game with like that old school artwork that they had for all that stuff. And then also like a, it was like a paper doll pop out house. I think it's in the garage, actually. Maybe I'll pull it out and take some photos and share it. Yeah. But yeah, stuff like that. Like it was like, I don't know, so unique and like no shade to like the movie tie in stuff. But it's kind of cool that they were like creating things for people to buy because there was a demand for that. Hallmark had a lot of amazing mm-hmm. Harry Potter stuff. Pam, I'll have to share with you. I did actually a couple of videos on the MuggleCast Patreon with some of my old stuff that I still have. You might you might oh, like it because yeah. it's some of the stuff you're talking about, the, the toys mm-hmm. that weren't influenced by the movies. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have like some trading cards too somewhere. Oh, yeah. I loved yeah. those. Yeah. I have uh, I have Hallmark Christmas ornaments. Yeah. Pre, you know, pre Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah. I still use them. And uh, Andrew, there's a Polly Pocket live action in the works. Oh, yeah. Just wanted to mention this because my sister had the Polly Pocket toys as a kid. So it's been on my radar since then. And I had seen this was actually, well, two years ago at this point. But um, a live action Polly Pocket is allegedly in the works um, with Lily Collins to star. And it's going to be directed by Lena Dunham (laughs) of Girls fame. And, um, you know, I have to say allegedly because we hear these stories all the time. So and so is involved with such and such. And a lot of these fall apart. So I don't know what the current status of this one is, but I'm sure a lot of people around our age also played with Polly Pocket. Those were oh, yeah. pocket dollhouses, mm-hmm. basically. And they're, they're not pretty pocket cool. anymore, though. I don't know if you all have seen like, I still make Polly. She's like in a Polly mansion. I know. Oh, I'm like, that's point? cheating. Yeah. I know. But yeah, like the, the little ones like that you could. Ca- oh, my God. I loved those when I was a kid. I get why they made them bigger, though, because like some of that stuff was definitely a choking hazard. Oh, yeah. For yeah, sure. For sure. Like, the toys were like as big as your thumbnail. In my day, yeah. the kids, you know, played with the toys and never ate them anyway. And if they did, it, it passed true. through their system. Yeah. Now we have to be cautious. <laughs> or it called the herd one way or the other. <laughs> Sorry, was that too dark? Um, no, we're bringing it all back around to Dark Barney, so it works. Yeah, circle exactly. Um, well, let's run through some games quickly. I think it would be cool if they did a Monopoly movie, but I would love to see it done in the style of Tetris. I don't know anything about the history of the making of the Monopoly board game. But I think if they dramatized it, that could be super interesting. I don't know if y'all have seen Tetris yet, but it was really good on Apple TV+. Plus. I've heard good things. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a dramatization of securing the rights for Tetris and getting Tetris out of the Soviet Union during the 80s. It was super cool. Um, So I think that'd be cool for Monopoly. There's reportedly a movie in production with Kevin Hart starring. So this sounds more like 
a fictionalized story based on the board game, which is fine. Um, I feel like Settlers of Catan could also be really fun. Again, there's reportedly something in production by Sony, but the latest update on this is from 2017. So I have no idea if it's actually going to happen. Um, what about Oregon Trail? I know we all played that. Mm-hmm. Everybody still <laughs> talks kids. about it regularly too, right? All the jokes. You died. <laughs> we all got dysentery. It? Dysentery, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they should definitely do that. That seems like such a... Oh, but you, you apparently found one? Oh, well, it's not. so here's the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I found God. this movie that came out in April of this year called Oregon Trail. Oh, my not God. Not Oregon. Oregon. Oh, my God. And it legitimately looks like a horror movie version of the Oregon Trail. <laughs> so I'm going to have to check this out and yeah. report back to y'all. This, they must have wanted to do one inspired by the, the classic game right. but they didn't have the rights mm-hmm. that's great yeah um i was also thinking they could take operation do you remember that game yeah that yeah uh, where you would like try to get the things out of that guy's body and if you hit the edges it would yeah. like buzz Beep! yeah um, it was terrifying yeah, but but make it a horror movie yeah, because oh playing God. that game was that it would actually have you kind of on pins and needles trying to very yeah. carefully extract things. We used to play that um, like as a drinking game in college. One of the people on <laughs> our floor had a, had a, a <laughs> operation, and yeah, really like turning any of the stuff we're talking about today into like this like gritty adaptation where you know we see the other side of what's going on. You know, like taking operation we follow the guy who's being operated on. He's like, why do people keep pulling stuff out of me? Leave me be. It's like, why do I have a a horse in my body? Why is the Charlie horse actually a horse? Right. And the doctors like have it in for this guy to permanently kill him or something like that. Um, And this one is one Mark actually reminded me of. I think I blocked it out because it's traumatizing. Uh, Don't wake daddy. Do you guys remember this game? (laughs) You you had locked a memory there for me. I didn't play it. <laughs> I, I never oh. played it either. I never had it, but I remember seeing the commercials for it. The whole thing is you're playing the game and you are trying to sneak out of your room to get a snack out of the fridge without <laughs> waking up your dad. Uh. And there are various things that various spaces on the board that you'll hit that create a noise that wakes up daddy and there's he, like, this pops up, right? He like pops up. He's like laying in his bed. And if he pops up, his hat flies off and it's just, it's very scary. And the marketing <laughs> for it was, was like, don't wake daddy. And it's like, or else what, what's he going to do? Like <laughs> you lose the horrifying. game, Laura. <laughs> I, now that I see this commercial, I do remember this. I don't think I personally played it, but it's kind of fun. If I were yeah. a parent, I'd just buy all the old versions of these board games and play them again with my kid. Like, you could find this stuff on eBay pretty easily enough. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I feel like I they don't make, so. like, because, you know, now I, I'm sure Andrew, it's the same with you. Like, now I have a niece. So I'm always looking for things to buy her, or, like, thinking about what I can buy her in the future. She's only three. But I just feel like board games are not as, like, creative as they used to be. Um, and there's not like as much to see on like the actual board game. Like I think about like even um, like um, uh, what is it like 
Rock'em Sock'em Robots or uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos, where there was just like so many pieces and it just feels like so interactive. So, Chloe's disagreeing with you. I, I will push back on children. what you For children. For children. <laughs> for children, you know not for adults. Maybe we're, <laughs> we're just not up on the good games. Yeah. But you know? I'm just saying, because like I walk through the toy aisle. The, to be fair, there's not like toy stores really anymore where you can like walk through aisles and aisles of toys. So it's really yeah. whatever they have at like Walmart or You get Target, three aisles but... of Target and that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's a good point. We're, we don't have these big toy stores anymore where it's just toys galore. Zany Brainy. Uh, right, rat oh, Trap. I, we I played that a lot, Riley. Zany Brainy yeah. was Disney or World. Trap. Well, that was fun. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love revisiting these nostalgia themes. Yeah. We didn't have time today, but we are going to hold on to this for something else in the future. I don't think we've decided yet, but uh, we pulled some uh, 90s commercials and y'all commercials in the 90s were fucking feral. I don't know how they got away with some of the shit they did back then. It's (laughs) stuff that certainly wouldn't make a commercial today, but we're going to do we're going to react to some of these commercials from back in the day. So stay tuned for that. We really could do a whole part two of this discussion because we just scratched the surface of shows yeah. and movies and toys, and we could revisit this with the commercials. We should just do like a seg, like an Isle of the '90s segment. Yeah, oh, recurring yeah. segment. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go dig out what remaining toys we have left from our childhoods and see if we can still maybe choke on the, the parts, and uh, we'll be right back. So I wanted to talk this week about loyalty programs. I'm sure most of us are familiar with them. Uh, You know, you can pretty much sign up for a loyalty program at almost any store these days. But really, the incentive here, whenever you do sign up, is working towards something that they're going to give you for free, right? And a lot of times, too, these loyalty programs entice you with free gifts on your birthdays. And if you have been noticing that, you know, maybe the birthday freebies aren't as plentiful as they used to be, you're not going crazy. Uh, It's actually because a lot of these companies are scaling back on those types of rewards. So I saw this article that was written by AP, and it came out just this past week. And they were talking about this phenomenon of how consumers are noticing that birthday rewards and loyalty programs aren't as uh, generous as, as they were maybe even a few years ago. So Some of the factors that AP cites with regards to why perhaps you're not seeing as many of these or maybe like the programs are changing have to do with uh, the cost of maintaining the programs, which kind of sounds like bullshit to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Also inflation, which everybody is struggling with. And then the other one, which probably kind of seems like common sense, but isn't anything that I had thought of until I saw it you know, on paper is that consumers are just kind of changing the way they spend money post COVID. So that is basically why perhaps you might be seeing some of these loyalty programs changing their birthday freebies. Um, To kick things off, though, I wanted to know just like overall, if we 
look forward to free shit on our birthdays because I know I definitely <laughs> do from certain places. Yes, yes. It's 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 a nice little perk of these places. Though I have to say, Duncan is really doing us dirty these days. First of all, and I don't think I've griped about this on air, but my local Duncan charges an extra dollar twenty to add oat milk to any sized coffee. That is pure what? insanity. I need to write to that manager because it is highway robbery what they're doing. I also want to know like what um what kind of oat milk are they putting in there? Like have you ever asked them about the brand? Not that it justifies, I've seen but it. I Planet Oat is that one, I think maybe. Yeah, it is. But I've yeah. just stopped adding on oat milk there and I just bring the coffee home and put it in myself. It's outrageous. But um Duncan no longer does a free birthday drink. And Dunkin' Coffee isn't particularly special. You know, it's not a high-value item. You, We know they're giving us cheap-ass coffee. But they've mm-hmm. stopped with the free birthday drink. My birthday was just a little over a month ago. I was looking forward to that free drink like I do every year. You get 3x points now on your birthday. Are you fucking kidding me? So That's I have to dumb. spend money on my birthday at Dunkin' to get 3x points. And I barely go to Dunkin' anymore in part because of this oat milk highway robbery they're doing. I um, commented on one of their posts. It's up to four likes so far. I said, um, no more free drink on your birthday. Your rewards program has turned to shit and still getting likes, even though like it, the post is like four weeks old. But can you mm-hmm. believe that? No free drink from Duncan. In <laughs> I'm this really economy? glad that you told me this so that I don't go on my birthday, which is coming up to Duncan and... Yeah. Get blindsided. Well, I had gotten a push notification on my birthday. Come into Duncan on your birthday for three X points. I was like, oh, that's nice of you, Duncan. And then I loaded up the app and I was expecting to see the reward. Nope, wasn't there. And I looked around and apparently they've totally pulled back. That really sucks. Starbucks still does it, though. But you have to go on your birthday, which I think is a little slimy because Duncan's. I think it was like a month long reward. You could use it any time in the month. So one of the things that this article also brought up is that, like, communication is key to making sure that people aren't upset about this. Like, you know, you were just talking about how it was upsetting to know that Duncan had changed the rules, like, right on your birthday, right before your birthday. With Starbucks, this happened to me when they changed it to only on your birthday. And it well, my birthday always falls around Comic-Con. And for a while, we were going every year. Did not have time to go on my birthday to Starbucks. But the next day, I thought, well, I'm walking by a Starbucks, the only one in the gas lamp. I'm going to go get my free birthday drink. Guess what? I could not get my free birthday, birthday drink because it expired the day before on my birthday. It used to be 30 days. Yeah. We don't care about you anymore. You're trash. Right. And then like two weeks, two weeks I could deal with, you know, some kind of like grace period, but like on your birthday only. Maybe that's part of Starbucks' strategy because a lot of people actually do things on their birthday that don't involve like being near a Starbucks or they just don't think to go to Starbucks. So by doing that, you're shutting out a lot of people and that might save them a good amount of money. The Starbucks one is a good offer, though. You can order the most expensive drink and it's free. You got to give mm-hmm. give them credit for that, that they're still doing that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I feel like I end up missing out on a lot of these um, birthday perks because so often it's either you got to go on your birthday or you got to go within 30 days of your birthday. 
my birthday is the week before Christmas and (laughs) the last place I want to be is anywhere that's like a retailer shopping setting during that time. I do all my Christmas shopping online because I hate facing the masses in a retail setting. So I feel like I I often just end up forgetting to take advantage of this stuff. I used to be really good about getting my birthday gift from Sephora, but that was pre-pandemic. So I don't know what that looks like now. Ooh, I have some news for you about Sephora, actually. So there's no minimum purchase if you go in store, but they are requiring now a $25 minimum purchase to redeem your birthday gift if you want to order online. And that's new for this year. Yeah. Because they're saying that shipping is getting too expensive. Boo, indeed. Trying to think of other reward programs I am involved with, but they're like all food, like Del Taco, Taco Bell, (laughs) Dutch Bros. That's a coffee chain uh, mainly on the West Coast, they do a free birthday drink. Um, their point system and rewards are pretty good, I found. I will do the Dutch Bros. But but again, like that's another one that isn't like only on your birthday. Right. It's usually always food, which is nice. Crumble, if anybody's like a cookie fan, I, I think that they're like rapidly expanding. Crumble will give you a free cookie oh, that's on your nice. birthday. Yeah. And I know like I, I don't go to Krispy Kreme, but I know Krispy Kreme will give you like a dozen free donuts or something like that. Whoa. What? Yeah. It's something crazy. Oh, their, man. Their donuts are also, do you know, cheap in general. Right. So I guess that's why they can. Yeah. Do that, but... but they're so good, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can share. You can share. Or you don't have to. It's your birthday. You can do whatever you <laughs> Eat want. Eat a dozen donuts in a sitting. <laughs> Domino's has something you can get a free pizza after six pizza purchases. I think I mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. Domino's. Uh, I've been loyal to Domino's for many years. I think Pizza Hut has something similar as well. So yeah, all the food stuff I usually sign up for it because the deals tend to be tend to be pretty good. It's like a why not type of thing. The one thing I hate though is when like um I, I kind of like miss the simplicity of just like loyalty cards because. To bring it back to Dutch Bros, I used to have, like, because we have a Dutch Bros near us, like, they used to have loyalty cards. And I feel like that's so much easier to just get a stamp on your Dutch Brothers card, you know? Yeah. But then when they switch over, it's like, there's no way to, like, switch the stamps over to the loyalty app. So you're oh, just starting from scratch. They should have done you know? that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a and local... And then you have to, like, add funds or, like, add your card. Right. It's, like, a whole big to-do. I've got a local coffee shop. They have like three coffee shops in Vegas and that's it nationwide. Um, but they still do a card program. So they stamp your mm. card when you come in. And this is what's nice about like a local coffee shop. I went in there a couple of weeks ago and I'm only supposed to get one stamp. But for whatever reason, maybe because I tipped, the guy put two stamps on the card. I was like, okay, cool. You'll never see that in an app because it's an app. It's all digitized. Mm-hmm. I When I used to work at coffee, I used to do that sometimes. Like if I really liked the person, I would just give them some extra stamps. <laughs> Aww. Or if you thought they were cute. Yeah, definitely. Used to, we used to do that too. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're watching you, loyalty programs. The media will report you if you pull any bullshit. So tread lightly because mm-hmm. people get mad. Yeah, then we come onto this show and complain about it. I also just don't understand the approach. Like, I always thought the point of a royalty program or giving out freebies was to get people 
in the store because generally speaking, if you get someone in the store to give them something free, they're probably going to end up spending money while they're there. But maybe now that brick and mortar is not as popular as it once was, they're not finding these programs to be sort of a return on investment anymore. But I think that just means they need to figure out a way to join us in 2023 and find other ways to incentivize people's new habits. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, because I, I like, for example, to bring it back to Sephora, I will probably buy something if I go in to pick up the birthday gift. Creates goodwill, too. Yeah. Meanwhile, with Dunkin' between the oat milk price at my local one and getting rid of the birthday drink, it's created bad will between us. We've got bad blood. And I'm going and Dun- elsewhere. Duncan is also, I think it always leaves a, a sour taste in your mouth when it's a larger company. Like Duncan is a larger company. It's not like it. mom and pops coffee shop down the street. So when you see places like that that aren't, you know, nationwide chains getting, um, you know, like stingy with the free shit. Yeah, you, you, that, that's the first thought for sure, to your point, like they can afford it. Like, why are they? Not. Mm. I swear to God. I swear to God. If Starbucks ever gets rid of their free refills on the basic teas and coffees, I will murder every single executive at that company. I will personally okay. murder them. Laura will give me tips on murdering successfully just because of the true crime shows. That's right. I will murder. I love that benefit. <laughs> the other day, I. I met a friend for coffee at a Starbucks. And then after we were about to leave, I went to get my free refill. And I always order a cold brew. That's like the only thing I order from Starbucks. So I, I went and I said, can I get my free cold brew refill? Because, you know, that that is included in the refill program, if you have the gold star or whatever. And the guy was like, he was at first, he said that you can't do cold brew for the refills. And I was like, what? Excuse me. So I was about to say, like, well, I guess I'll just take, like, iced coffee or something. And I think he just, like, saw my face drop. And he's like, oh, actually, you can. Just kidding. And I was like, okay. But now I'm, like, worried. <laughs> the next time I go, That's they're going to say, oh, by the way, like, no free cold brew for you. Which is so dumb. Because, like, if they don't sell all the cold brew, they have to toss it out at the end of the night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, might as well give it away. Yeah. Absolutely. I, th- I feel like maybe a lot of people don't use the refill perk. Maybe people don't know about it because I swear, like once or twice a month, I'm I'm in there every Saturday morning, once or twice a month. The person at the register is trying to find the refill button. They like can't yeah. find it. And sometimes they have to ask somebody else. So I think they just don't use it very often because nobody what? knows about it. And everybody's ordering the fancy drinks that you can't get the refills of. Yeah. Well, what a lot of people don't know is, for, firstly, like, if you do have the Gold Star membership, which is not hard to get, even if you get a fancy drink, you, you can get a free refill of, like, anything. So you can do, like, a free drip refill or a free tea refill. Ooh. Of those? Um, yeah. Yes. But I mean, like, uh, that puts in also, all kinds of things, and there's no way they do those for yeah. free. But what I was going to say then also, like, they they always charge you. They try to charge you 50 cents. But what you have to do is scan your gold card in the app. Right. 
And that's what a lot of people don't know. Like people, some people will pay the 50 cents and think that that's like the refill fee. But if you just scan the gold card, then it's free. It converts to zero. Yeah, Yeah. it converts to zero. I watch that. But like, (laughs) but also like uh, sometimes cashiers don't even know that. They're like, well, I don't know why it's coming up 50 cents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of weird. Like there's more trading that needs to be done there for sure. Or, no, actually, I don't want Starbucks remembering they have this perk. Let's just keep it under okay. the table. Fair. We should actually not even be talking about this today. I might cut this out. Yeah. If you heard this, no, you didn't. It's like Fight Club, <laughs> but for millennials. All it's going to take is one damn blog, foodbeast.com, being like, did you know about this Starbucks hack? Everybody likes talking about hacks and the hidden menu. Somebody, It's going to go viral on TikTok. And then Starbucks is going to be like, oh, shit, we forgot we had this. Time yeah. to get rid of this. <laughs> Anytime I see something go big on TikTok that has been like a, a best kept secret known hack, I always like just stop using it because I yeah. feel like they must get inundated. Like technically, yeah, you, don't be that guy. you can put jalapenos like on your burger at In-N-Out, but now everyone knows this, so I don't like to ask. Oh, oh, everybody customizes their burger at In-N-Out. That's fine. Yeah, or like you could ask them for extra crispy fries, but if everyone's doing it. Kind of sucks for them. Pat does the uh, chili thing on uh, the burgers. The chili. Yeah. You have to, you have, well, no, they're, they are jalapenos, but they ring up as chilies mm-hmm. at In N Out. That's why I call them chilies at this point. Also on Animal Style Fry, by the way, you can put them yeah. on. Yeah. Oh my God, that sounds so good. <laughs> That's Pat's order every <laughs> weekend. All right. Well, that was fun to talk about. Fun episode overall today. And coming yeah. up in After Dark, we have... <laughs> we're not using Twitter anymore? What? We have this tweet here. What was the incident at your high school? And we're going to go around the table and share our incidents at high school. We're talking about like what big event kind of rocked each of us and our school, school bodies at our respective high schools. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. We have a new After Dark installment attached to the main show with every episode of Millennial. You also get ad-free Millennial. And Bay Level and higher patrons get a new physical gift every year. This year's physical gift has arrived. We'll announce it in the weeks or months ahead. Um, You get access to our live streams, our planning docs, and you're supporting us. We really, really appreciate that. Just a small team here running this is a very small business, and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. As everybody might have heard by now, there's been a, a big shift in the podcast ad world. Um, less advertisers for everybody, and it's impacted a lot of podcasts. And since we were super smart and launched a Patreon early, we've been in good shape. But Podcasts, especially the ones run by little teams, definitely need your help if they have Patreon or Apple Podcast subscriptions, which we have as well, because uh, that steady income changes things, makes a big impact. So thank you for supporting us. And if you can't afford to support us, we totally get it. We'd also appreciate if you told a friend about the show or left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. So with that, let's move to some recommendations. Yeah, so my recommendation relates to my 30-second quick summary at the start of the show today. I definitely recommend everybody go out. If you have federal student loans, read about the proposed income-based 
Save plan that the Biden administration and Department of Ed are advertising right now. Um, It's very good. It addresses a lot of concerns about student loans and making them actually repayable um, with, you know, pretty reasonable requirements attached to it. Um, I'm going to link that in the show notes. So again, if you have student debt, read about this, and I'm sure we're going to be chatting about it on the show sometime soon before repayments start. And if this week's episode has made you feel nostalgia for simpler times of some programs you might have tuned into as a kid, I wanted to recommend the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which talks about the creation of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's so wholesome and so heartwarming and really informative. I definitely learned a lot, but like maybe keep the tissues beside you because if you're soft like I am, you will cry (laughs) 100%. Yeah. And I want to recommend The Diplomat on Netflix, political drama that's also pretty funny. Laura, I feel like this would be right up your alley. Um, It's giving West Wing, I think, a little bit. Yeah. I haven't seen The West Wing, so I can't say that for sure. But I just I watch this and I'm just thinking of you the whole time because it's like funny and quick. have you not seen The West Wing? I'll tell you what happened. have we have we been friends this long and you haven't seen the West Wing? I tried to start it on Netflix and I was like, ew, the quality is so bad in season one, like the, the square aspect ratio. I couldn't stand yeah. it. Yeah. I'm an HD snob. I mean, it was the 90s. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's a really bad reason, but that's just me. Um, but The Diplomat is in full HD and uh, you should definitely check it out. Only eight episodes. Um, season one is and it's been renewed for season two. So Netflix won't pull the rug out from under us yet. I think it's worth checking out. I was excited to find a new show on Netflix to watch because like I haven't been watching much on Netflix. It stars Carrie Russell, by the way. It was great. Okay. Yeah, it's a rare moment to find something I want to watch on Netflix nowadays. Yeah, and like good, like high quality, not some Mm -hmm. trash. Anyway. Uh, a couple of reminders before we wrap up. If you have any feedback about the show, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram. Yes, threads too, and Twitter and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we're Millennial Pod. After Dark, we'll start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye, y'all.